0: dung 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 dun, 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 dun.
1: under pressure it's how you feel sometimes when you're writing all of those grants
0: it's true grants can be stressful fixed deadlines unanswered emails crazy application portals
1: mm-hmm. how about unrealistic expectations from people who have no idea how the process works
0: and that's just the tip of the iceberg
1: ask us how we know not addressing these stressors can lead to serious burnout.
0: But the DH Leonard Consulting team doesn't believe that needs to be the case.
1: They can help you through the entire grant life cycle, from grant readiness to grant management. If there's a part of grant seeking that is stressing you out, reach out to dhleonardconsulting.com to let them help take the stress out of grants. <laughs> Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes-Day Muga. And I'm Amanda
0: Day. And you are listening to Season 4 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We're doing more in Season 4 to help nonprofits, local governments, and the consultants who serve them raise more money and get more grants by sharing real-world experiences and interviews with experts in getting it done. You may hear a y'all or two along the way, and singing and strange sound effects, because that's how we roll. Yeah, and we're not sorry. We we sound what we sound. So
1: anyway, there is actually more of us to love in Season 4, because we are dropping episodes every other week. So check us out, and let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by Season 4 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com?
0: Check it out today. Boy, do we have an incredible show planned for y'all today. We surely do. Not only are we talking about
1: an important subject, but we have a lineup of guests that will be sure to delight.
0: Though we've covered this subject before, it's one that bears repeating because we want our fellow grant professionals to love this field of ours, to enjoy their work, and to continue to fight that good fight for the communities we all serve. That's why we're talking about burnout. Yeah, not just burnout.
1: Maybe burnout in a time of crazy catastrophe, dumpster fire, things that are occurring on top of your regular work stressors. So today, we have a trio of guests who have decided to study the causes and effects of burnout in the grant and fundraising profession. I'm gonna introduce them one by one, and Amanda and I will take on that role and then we're gonna get on into it. First up is Trish Bachman. Trish is the owner and lead consultant for The Right Stuff Delaware LLC. Her grant journey began with a volunteer assignment with Mothers Against Drunk Driving and an online writing course. Since then, Trish has worked in every aspect of grant program management, design, implementation, and reporting. She received the Certified Grant Writer Credential in 2014 and earned the Grant Professionals Certified Credential in 2017. Today she serves on the Grant Professionals Association's PG&D Committee and serves as the President of the GPA Del Marva Chapter.
0: And next up is Bethany Planton. GPC, SMS, SM, and PO. Okay, that's a lot of letters behind your name. And for those who don't know what they are, GPC stands for Grant Professional Certified, mm-hmm. SMS is Social Media Strategist, SM is Scrum Master, and PO is Product Owner. Bethany is the founder and CEO of BMP Consulting, a grant consulting firm located in Louisville, Kentucky. After earning a Bachelor of Science degree in Communication Studies from Ball State University, she got her start in the grant field as an AmeriCorps VISTA member. Since 2001, Bethany has worked with many different organizations such as arts and culture, after school youth programming, historic preservation, healthcare, and community centers to secure more than $5 million in federal, state, and foundation funds. She's also a Grant Professionals Association approved trainer. G- Bethany is a member of GPA, the Fundraising Executives of Metro Louisville and Young Professionals Association of Louisville. She previously served as the vice president of the communication and the communications coordinator, excuse me, for the Kentucky chapter of the Grant Professional Association. And last but certainly not least is Jana Rogers.
1: For nearly 30 years Jana has helped organizations of all sizes solve problems. For 20 years she has worked as a full-time grant professional bringing more than $195 million in grants to employers and clients. With a background primarily in federal proposal development, Jana has learned to work with dozens of partners and their conflicting ideas, missions, and concerns. She's a longtime member of the Grant Professionals Association and serves 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 as the national vice president. In addition, she's an approved GPA trainer and works nationally to share best practices about all things grants. And for the past five and a half years, she has worked as a consultant. She received her grant professional certified credential in
0: 2008. So we got a lot of experience, a lot of breadth, a lot of depth today. So ladies, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for Thank having you. us. We're excited to be here. Hi, y'all.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got into y'all. I like it. I did. <laughs> so today
1: we are recording through Zencaster. As we have been doing for most of this pandemic, I don't like it. But it works well. I wish we could all see each other. But since we are not in the room together, we're just going to do our best to make sure that we take turns um, answering and asking questions. And so that you, the listener, will know who is sharing what pearl of wisdom with you. So I'd like to go ahead and get started with a question for Jonna. Jonna, what made y'all decide to study burnout?
3: (laughs) Well, well, Kimberly, um, uh, I, while, while we are all good people, um, Trish, Bethany, and me, especially them, um, I don't think we can say that our motives started out so pure. I mean, certainly not for me. Um, but each of us carries the war stories of working in a deadline-driven field where the very simple resources like time and understanding and even collegial support or all are not always just right there at the fingertips. In fact, mm-hmm. they're often not there at all. <laughs> so while I'm going to spare you the details of, of our specific journeys, um, I will tell you that when I started thinking about burnout was when I was already well into it. It was mm-hmm. over a period of years. And, and I had no idea what was wrong. Um, like many of us, I, su- I assumed it was me. And I assumed that I wasn't doing my job well enough but that it was something I could fix because I'm a control freak like many of us are. <laughs> so so I, if I could just do X or Y better, then my life would be great. Um, and so as we've gone through this journey together, we found that to be true of many of us, right? So as I tried to do something for me, and I, I Started reading. I even started presenting sessions on burnout over the last uh, probably six or seven years at regional and national conferences. Um, I started also listening and hearing. You know, I started, I I felt it, it really resonated with my fellow grant pros. They could all identify with what I was saying, and that's awesome, but it still didn't help me. Right, <laughs> and so and so this journey was about me. So um, while I was doing that, I found these two people called Trish and Bethany, and uh, they were becoming my friends. They were colleagues professionally, but they were in a, a different lane than me. They were kind of in this parallel lane, and they were they were really looking at self care and the bre- the boundaries that we all need to keep us healthy in our daily work. Now. I'm the first to say, and they know this, I am not telling tales. I was not on board for this whole self-care thing, right? Initially, it sounded to me like a bunch of, you know, just namby-pamby stuff we're going to sing songs about. But I knew Trish and Bethany, and I knew they were not the flaky kumbaya types. And so, I, because of them, I listened a little more and a little more and um, And as I listened to them, I also came to the realization that this burnout thing was a lot bigger than me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we arrived at the same point kind of together as we were working separately. So now as, as we've come together, we we got these two things going. First, we're not experts, okay? But second, somebody somewhere has to take this thing seriously, and that's what our partnership here has been about, is, is looking at the work and saying, okay, first, in our first set of work, is this really a problem? Do we have science behind this? Not just our feelings or anecdotal reports, um, but is this burnout thing real? It, or is it just some figment of our imagination? Are we just labeling it? And uh, so the first thing we found was, yes, it's real. And yes, it's real in the grant profession. This is not in our collective imaginations, and it, it is detrimental. Um, so one of the things I think that surprised me most was the uniqueness of our partnership and our ability to really bring our own skills and strengths to it mm-hmm. so that the, the work is um, really accessible. And, and so it's just been... Um, it's, it, I, I don't want to say it's a it's a cure for what ails you, but, you know, when you find some, some co-patriots who are uh, going along the same lines as you, it certainly makes it much easier to uh, work through the bad stuff.
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, and, Jonna, you I, I hadn't thought about this in ages, but when you were talking about one of the first things you were doing was, you know, talking about it at workshops, I mm-hmm. suddenly vividly remember probably years ago, mm-hmm. walking into a workshop you were teaching, and you had, I believe, Desperado by the Eagles yes. playing <laughs> as we walked into the room, and we spent the next hour or so talking about burnout and what it means, and mm-hmm. at that time, I would definitely say, at that point in my career, I was just like, oh, that was a rejuvenating conversation. I'm ready to go, but burnout is so much more than just that. Yeah. I just need a one-hour pick-me-up. It's it's certainly much more systemic than that, that's for sure. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Oh. Mm. Well, I've got a question for Trish. Since Jana has mentioned the work and the study that you're doing, you all did survey grant professionals in regards to their experience or even lack thereof with burnout. Um, were there any results that surprised you um, as a result of all your surveys, Trish? As a
2: matter of fact, there was. So I think all of us came into this with some preconceived notions about what we are going to see. I came from a strong uh, victim services background, so I expected to see burnout in people who were working directly with uh, people who needed moral support, victim services, homeless. I expected to see higher rates of burnout in those professions, in those Uh um, segments. And I was really, really surprised out of 345 grant professionals that, that took the survey, we had 78% that reported feeling cynical or distrustful at work. Mm -hmm. We all know people who feel like that. Mm -hmm. We also had 84% who had symptoms of burnout, which are exhaustion, sleeplessness, fatigue, poor concentration. But surprisingly, only 50% believed that they could recognize the symptoms of burnout.
4: Hmm.
2: Many of us, including myself, don't know it's
1: happening until it's too late. So, it's there were so what you're saying is this is Kimberly, what you're saying is people maybe were experiencing these sort of one-off symptoms and just not putting it together, right? Because you yeah. don't know what you don't know.
2: Right. So, yeah, that was that was what really stood out to me is that so many were experiencing the symptoms. The the physical symptoms as well as the emotional symptoms but yet they didn't think that they could identify it in somebody else.
1: Okay. Yeah. So that actually kind of leads into a question that I have for Bethany. Um, Bethany, what do you think grand professionals need to know about burnout? I'm thinking maybe number one sort of what it is, but um, <laughs> but, but I well, would love to hear your answer to that.
0: Well, cuz clearly yeah. Trish said 84% have experienced it. That's a, that seems like a lot No, actually, it seems about right. <laughs>
4: it is definitely too many is what we uh, have determined. Absolutely. Whether, you know, we surveyed 345, took it, it was put out to a lot of people, but of course we didn't reach all grant professionals. And so that's just accurate towards that particular sure. survey. But again, like we've said, it is too much. It feels like it's too much. That's why we are continuing our work and wanting to continue to get the word out about burnout so that maybe that number will get lower um, through the years. But to answer your question, and Jonna and Trish have kind of alluded to it already, but burnout is real. Mm-hmm. I mean, the World Health Organization actually is now started including is going to include burnout in the newest version of its International Classification of Diseases, um, it was re- That was revised in April of 2019. It's just pending um, member endorsement in 2022. So we do have a little ways to wait till it actually gets mm-hmm. in there, but they're working on that process. And so it's real. The survey shows it. World Health Organization is showing it. Um, and each of us as grant professionals, we're not alone when we experience it. We've also shown that a bunch of people have experienced it. Um, and continue to experience it as 2020 and 2021 continue.
1: Gee, I don't Um, know why. There's (laughs) absolutely everything's fine, right?
4: (laughs) Right, yes. Hmm. Um, And Trish mentioned these, but just to go over it again, some of the signs and symptoms of burnout are feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. It's that feeling of, I don't want to go into work. I'm tired. You know, you already got a bunch of sleep, but you're still exhausted. Um, Increased mental distance, like not caring anymore, mm-hmm. not caring about your work. I'm sure we've all hit a wall at some point where like, oh, I just don't care. I mean, those people need help, but I don't want to do any more work. Right. Um, feelings of negativity or cynicism towards your work. And then reduced personal efficacy. So it looks a little different for everybody, how they're going to experience it. But those are the signs and symptoms to kind of be on the lookout for.
1: It's Kimberly. I have a quick follow-up question to that. Would you do, give us a thumbnail of reduced personal efficacy for people who may not be familiar with the term?
4: I'm actually going to either call a Jonna or Trish on that one.
0: Sure. Call a friend. <laughs> call a friend. A yeah, friend. Call on a friend.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm muted. So there we go. Um, yeah. Okay. So review reduced efficacy. Um, no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, no, how ma- no matter how many hours are in there, you feel you can't do your job well. Mm-hmm. And that just continues to go down. You may be bringing in money as a grant professional, but it took you too long or you inconvenience someone or the boss is still not happy about xyz and you begin to internalize that right so it's your own self-worth and your own opinion of your work product that really begins to 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 uh, pile on it just your own self-worth just keeps going down no matter how hard you try and that was certainly true with me
1: I think I've definitely experienced that too. I, I
0: bet pretty much everyone on this call is, or we wouldn't be talking about it. So thanks for clearing that up. Well, and it's, I'm guessing it's compounded too, when you've got bosses who are like, great, you brought in 5 million this year. So your goal next year is 7 million. Well, great. You hit that. Now I need you to bring in 10 million next year. Right? So uh, which I, I is can a imagine. Real, which is a real thing that happens. Ask me how I know. Exactly. Yes. It really does. So. Well that leads well into um, a question for Jana. Mm. What can supervisors and bosses and things do these types of people to help avoid burnout from happening to their grant and fundraising professional staff? What can they do to help stop oh, burnout? I-
3: and that what that is like the the sixty thousand dollar question or however many millions it should be now right so that is a great uh-huh. question um, because as as Bethany mentioned with the World Health Organization they have placed uh, burnout as a workplace issue it is not so much a matter of that that catchphrase we use sometimes with um, work life balance it is that you have a workplace that is contributing to this this disease, this um, this mental health disorder of burnout. Um, and so it, it truly is in the hands of our supervisors everywhere to support us in this. But here's what I'll say. Okay, so our first set of work, we really just wanted to put a stake in the ground and say it's real, okay, mm-hmm. done. In fact, we produced the first ever set of research on that. So now we're asking those questions, the what, who, why, how, when, you know, what can we do now? It's not enough to say it's real. We, We really want to take that next step and begin to look at that. But in doing that, we also know, just because we've been around for a while, um, me the most, I'm, you know, I'm the oldest of the group. I'm a baby boomer. We have a millennial. We have a Gen Xer. So we, we really go the gambit in our, in our trio. Um, we know anecdotally of organizations where grant professionals are valued, appreciated, and not chewed up and spit out every day. Okay, so we know there are some out there. We've seen them, but what is the difference between a strong, healthy organization that knows what a grant professional is and an organization that maybe just says, we need money and that's what you do. Come work with us, okay? So I'll call those the good organizations. And we know of those. And, and in, our, in our group, you know, we've, we're all kind of friends. We know some of those. But what's the difference? What are they doing differently? So it's one of our hypotheses that I suspect listeners will begin to nod their heads to is that some of these employers simply don't understand what we do. It's an education issue. They don't get it they don't see the challenges. They may not even see what we do as professional. I'm not meaning that they are intentionally disrespectful. They're just, and I'm going to use the I word, they're just ignorant of what it takes to do this work. They just haven't learned. Mm -hmm. But yet, they set the expectations for our work. And they set expectations that are often impossible for us to achieve. But worse still, some of them don't set the expectations at all. As you guys mentioned, some of them just say, okay, go get more. Go get more. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not like it's the manna in the wilderness and we can just go out in the morning and pick it up. There aren't dollar bills just laying around, right? <laughs> it doesn't grow on trees, John. <laughs> it does not. It does not. Uh, I've looked for a grant for that tree and it doesn't exist either. So, <laughs> Uh, And in addition, because we have a weird skill set, we can write, we're organized, we can help facilitate, we often get other things um, dumped on our plates, right? So it's not just that we're doing this one thing, but we're often called to do multiple things. And our bosses, our supervisors, or maybe even the HR department don't really know what we do. So what do we do? That's the question was asked. What do we do with our supervisors? Well, again, we have to communicate. And I don't have all the answers for that. But I will give you a couple of things that have worked for some of us. Mm -hmm. Um, Share a short article or snippet with your boss or HR or supervisor about something. About burnout. Or about a friend. Did you know that like half the people who do the work that I do have a physical ailment uh, over the course of a year based on stress in this workplace? Just begin to crack that egg a little bit. Most of us go into the boss and by the time we get to the boss, we're in tears or angry and we're we're yelling. That's not professional and basically they're not going to listen, right? So we have to find better ways. And, and as Stephen King is is so famous for saying, you need to show, not tell. So what I say is, you know, start, start setting up your boundaries. Take lunch away from your desk and be religious about it. Leave a voicemail that says, I'm out to lunch. I'll call you back right after. Put it in your email notice. So if your boss emails you, they will see that you've intentionally stepped away from your desk stop answering email on the weekend oh but my boss expects it well shame on them they shouldn't mm-hmm. they should not and so there are some simple things that we can do to set those boundaries as my friend bethany is always teaching me to make sure um others see that we take our health seriously
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And I'm not saying go to a gym and be a healthy person or do exercise oh, or any of those crazy things. Uh, no, especially
1: no. not now. Going to a gym oh, right. right now <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic.
0: No to that. No to that, but there are other there are many other yes. ways of Well, many options. Some, I've learned from Bethany too, sometimes the uh the avoidance of burnout is just to go to your favorite ice cream mm-hmm. place for a scoop, right Bethany? <laughs> For sure, um,
4: peppermint <laughs> ice cream during the holidays was my favorite, and I had it too many times probably, but my ha- my mental health is really good because of it.
0: <laughs> well, all I know is uh, if I ever make it to Louisville to visit, our first stop will be the Comfy Cow, because you've talked it up enough. <laughs> Shout and out Comfy
1: Cow. Hit us up. Hit us up. It,
0: it is good. Yep. Yep.
1: So if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I don't know how to broach this topic. Hey, why not have them listen to this episode? Exactly. Just saying, mm-hmm. there's an idea. They, so could also, just-
3: they could also, if they're a member of GPA, it is now in the GPA journal. Now, I don't know about some of you, but I work with people often who are in higher education. They believe in journaled research. And to be yeah. able, not, you, they don't have to read it. They just have to know it exists, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a conversation opener. Um, also, when you see others in your organization who are slumping, throw that burnout word out there. You know, just begin some simple conversations, not a come-to-Jesus meeting with the boss when everybody's in tears and you're on deadline. It it will just <laughs> cause more stress. Mm-hmm. And and as Kimberly says, ask me how I know that, right? <laughs>
1: so we actually have a fun fact full disclosure moment here on fundraising heyday the five of us together on this call make up half of a grant pro book club that we've gosh i've been in there for at least a couple years and i think it was going before before i joined and so together as a book club we read and discussed the book burnout the secret to unlocking the stress cycle by amelia and emily nagoski and if you go back to season three the 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 Burnout Sisters, as we call them, actually came on and um, did an hour-long interview with us about about their their book. And I just found that book really opened a lot of doors for me in understanding about burnout. And I, it certainly spurred a lot of discussion for us. Um, but there's one thing that I, I would just love to get some clarification about, and, and uh, what better way to do that than to ask three very smart people. So one of the highlights in the book is finding a way to end the stress cycle. It's presented as an actual physical cycle, um, as as Bethany and, and John and Trish have alluded to. They're actual physical parts of this. It's not, oh, I'm just having a bad day. It can manifest itself in all sorts of bodily illnesses, as well as, as, as mental or emotional distress. So again, one of the highlights in the book is finding a way to end the stress cycle after a stressful situation. And I would love to hear from each of you um, how what you have found personally that works as an end to a cycle of stress that you may be experiencing. And I would like to start with Trish
2: well thank you i love talking about ending the stress cycle because it's so really important it doesn't have to just take one one way so some days i may go for a walk um some days i may reach for a book or i may watch a disney world youtube video that will take me away for a few minutes um sometimes i listen to music but my favorite way uh, i have a convertible My favorite way is on a warm, sunny day just to get in and drive and let my mind just go free. That is the best thing.
1: So each of these really represents sort of a stepping away if you can, obviously, if it's safe and prudent to do so and all that. But it's stepping actually almost like physically taking yourself out of the situation where you were experiencing that stress and giving yourself a different thing or task or or something to do is that right
2: that's exactly right Mm -hmm.
1: thanks Mm -hmm. so next up um something tells me that Jonna would also have some (laughs) pearls of wisdom to share Jonna
3: yes and some 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 shoes um, <laughs> <laughs> um
1: you
0: love shoes.
3: i love shoes i love shoes so i um i do literally walk away and for us in the grant profession perhaps one of the most stressful things is that submission day so oh. sub- submission day to oh. me whether it's on time or last minute um is kind of a sacred thing um i plan for it and um, when I'm done, I'm done for the day. If, I'm, if I submit it at 9 or 10 in the morning, I don't do anything else the rest of the day except order shoes, which are my reward for having submitted. <laughs> um, um, occasionally, it's a milkshake, but tends to be be shoes. Um, another thing I've found really helpful is, is to plan for a debrief with my clients or bosses. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, And that's a very, so if they've been a crappy group of people, OK, and we've all had clients or employers who don't understand exactly what we're doing mm-hmm. and we're having to pull in informa- Well, I'm going to debrief with them. Um, it's going to be a few days later and it's going to be coordinated. And we're just going to talk about things that could have gone better so that it not so much so that it helps them, but it helps me <laughs> regain control. Because they're going to be my client again mm-hmm. and this will help us patch this up and move on to the next thing. Again, it's a, it's a control freak thing, and I, I really um, have come to rely on that, just forcing them to go through a 30-minute debrief where we can all get back together and say, this could have been better. Let's try it differently next time.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, and then um i guess the careful and judicious purchase of shoes is mm-hmm. comes first though right
3: it does come first <laughs> almost immediately and i will tell you in the pandemic um what i found was um my, i know my first two pairs were um, some really cool open toe mules with about three three and a half inch heels i love them i haven't gotten to wear them i bought them in april right i haven't left the house so i started buying walking shoes i have new snow boots i have Gardening boots. I've I've had a really productive year, and my closet is full.
1: <laughs> wow! I'm just thinking about the last time I wore a three and a half inch heel, and I do believe it was <laughs> the last century. That is, I'm not. I am. I am not that woman. But um, as a matter of fact, right now I'm rocking a fine pair of. Steve Madden leopard print bedroom slippers. That's just kind of... That's, that's the way I'm rolling. But um, Now, well, Amanda Amanda is the shoe queen of fundraising heyday. She is. No doubt. No
0: I doubt. I do love me some shoes. Yes. But yeah, I haven't worn any of my... Well, that's not true. Certainly no nothing heel related really in the house. But um, one of the things you said, Jonna, I like how you said, no, ma- no matter when you hit submit, you're done for the day. Like as you I just... Am. Mm -hmm. You've probably been working around the clock for who knows how long. So Mm -hmm. as a consultant, we have that flexibility to do that Mm -hmm. because I'm kind of the same way. It's like I hit submit, hallelujah, let's go do whatever I want to do now. Mm -hmm. When you're an employee, you don't really have that freedom. I used to try to tell my boss I should get the rest of the day off. And he would just kind of giggle and say oh yeah you're funny go back to work kind of a thing (laughs) so um might i recommend (laughs) because yeah they just never did that for me but um so in that case i would though try to schedule the rest of my day then is just I hate to say menial tasks, but you know we have all no. have those things that are kind of mindless that yes. get shoved off to the corner of our desk because we don't have time. Those, those are yeah. the kinds of things I like to do after submitting a grant because it just let, like, it allows my brain to unwind. Key,
1: low key mm-hmm. things like like catching up on emails or. Mm-hmm. Cleaning up your uh, whatever filing on internal filing system, Mm -hmm. you know, posting things to the right files. Because I remember that too, uh, Amanda, I was in the same situation when I, as a development director, um, I could, and also the grants that I was doing are very different than the grants that John is talking about, very large scale Mm -hmm. federal Mm -hmm. grants. I was working with some public funding, but mostly private. So foundations and corporations. So I would move on to another task, something, mm. you know, and then maybe do something after work. But my, my go to low or no actually no cost is um, to read because mm-hmm. I um, get so many books from the library. So that's that's been my reward during the pandemic is going to the picking up. We have curb contact. What is it? Contactless curbside pickup, Mm -hmm. which involves grocery bags. But in my case, it involves multiple grocery bags. They probably just think (laughs) I'm a freak. But nothing relaxes me more than to go pick up a grocery bag full of seven books that I want to read. And it's like, bring it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Physical ways to take yourself out of that situation or just reward yourself. Because for years I was like, my reward is helping others, right? I know that sounds really candy ass, but I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. My, you know, it was like, my reward is, that's my reward. And it's like, that's right, livelihood and a good thing to do. But that's not exactly, you know, taking care of myself and making sure that I stay healthy to go help people do good things. So two different things to talk about. But I also know that Bethany has some pearl of wisdom around what to do to end that stress. Cycle. She probably has She probably has a full necklace of wisdom to share with us. So Bethany, what are some ways you would suggest to end that stress cycle after you have been in either a positive stress of submitting a grant or the negative stress of having your goals raised by 30% for the next fiscal year? <laughs> that are
0: one.
4: Yeah, Kimberly, you're right. I have... Lots of ideas. I have lots of things I like to do, yeah. um, but I am taking some notes of, I haven't taken time off usually after I hit submit, cause usually I'm ready to hit submit on something else. And so yeah. I might start putting that in my own toolbox. There you go. Um, but some of the things I do is I work at a treadmill desk. And so this isn't necessarily taking myself away from the situation, but as I'm working, I often have the treadmill going. And I feel like that helps me kind of mm-hmm. deal with that stress as it's coming. Um, it keeps me alert, and it keeps that stress moving through my body and out, hopefully. Um, but also in in the walking realm, I also take um, three walks a day with my dog, and that mm-hmm. really helps as well, because I'm not only getting my steps in, spending time with my dog, my beloved dog, as most people know, um, <laughs> and I'm getting outside, so I'm getting, you know, Not here in the winter time, but most of the time I'm Mm -hmm. getting sunshine, which is hitting me, which we know we all need that vitamin D Mm -hmm. um, and having some time away. I also, it's already been alluded to, I do love to go eat ice cream. Um, I celebrate (laughs) National Ice Cream Day every year. Um, It's like a national holiday. It is a national holiday. No, 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 no. It's a real national holiday signed by (laughs) President Reagan. Uh, it's the third Sunday of July every year Sunday
1: I see what they did there Uh
0: Oh, crafty keep finding more and more reasons to love that man
4: (laughs) and then I also like what's already been mentioned I love reading and I'm a very avid reader so in the evenings most evenings you can find me curled up on my couch with a book of some sort flying through it um, so there's, those are some of the ways I complete that stress cycle.
1: And I, I feel I should let people know that Bethany's dog is also her chief wellness um, director <laughs> at her mm-hmm. company. She's yep. usually the employee of the month, too, if I'm not yes. mistaken.
4: Yep. She is. She makes sure that I eat and that I go on walks and that I sleep. She's very good at that director of
1: health and wellness. While you were talking about walking on your treadmill desk um, carefully, I'm sure, but I, it made me think I, I had a little you know desk envy, a little workspace envy, but I realized that as I'm talking and listening here, I'm pacing around the room and I, because I have a standing desk. So mm-hmm. even maybe changing, if you can't, like if you are in either an office situation or these days... And not an office situation, perhaps surrounded by children and husbands and dogs and cats in, in your home, even changing the position, like going from standing to seated, right? Or vice versa, mm-hmm. could could help you sort of physically remove yourself from that situation. So, hey, I, and I started. Yeah? I started with a, a standing desk. Well, I started with a regular desk
4: and then i built a little platform sometimes out of books and then eventually out Ooh. of wood to put what? my laptop on and what then, did you go wrong? Then I, it was fine it was solid good i'm glad i'm um, glad safety first safety uh, first right right and then i moved up to the treadmill i was like this isn't enough to just stand i want the movement too nice so
0: yep, yep. wow oh, good
1: points to ponder
0: Okay, I have to ask, because I've always been curious about this. Like, I can understand on a walking treadmill desk, like, you could read. Can you actually type things while you're walking? Oh, yes. Yes. So, you're not, you not
4: walking quickly. You're walking yeah. at a very slow pace. Sulturing. Right. And the desk Reandering. is at your. Right. <laughs> and then the desk is at your hip kind of arm height, where they would come out naturally to type. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Okay. It, it does not take I did it, for me at least it did not take any time to get used to it. You just you start know, out I'm, slow and then you go I'm pra- faster. I'm
1: practicing right now and I, Amanda, I think she's right because I'm leaning, I have my hands on the keyboard area of my stand up desk, and I'm just stepping gently side to side, hoping that the the mail deliverer is not outside. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see. Yeah, you don't. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be jiggling around. It's not like you're mm-hmm. jogging
0: or something. Mm-hmm. No,
1: Interesting. All, so. <laughs> well, thanks,
0: Bethany. Yeah. So if our listeners want to learn more about your study or um, just to talk to any of you about burnout, what's the best way that they can reach each of you? And let's let's start with Bethany this time. Okay. Well,
4: as Jana mentioned, our whole study is on the GPA website. And I do think now that is available to anyone. You do not have to be a member. Uh-huh, so you can correct. find that. Um, you can find me, though, at my website. It's BMP, P as in pizza. Consulting org. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Bethany M Planton, which is P L A N T O N.
0: Very good, thank you. What about you, Trish?
2: Um, you can get me at um, my my Twitter handle is at the right stuff de. That's right, like with a W. Uh-huh. And um, my business is therightstuffdelaware dot com.
0: Okay, and Jonna.
3: Okay, so so I'm the I'm the one in the group that has no website. Why? Because I never had time. So uh, and apparently have nothing to say. So I'm not going to have a website. But <laughs> I, I, I find
1: <laughs> that hard to believe, Jana. Right. right
3: um but i've i'm and i've gotten over it and i'm not bitter at all no um okay. so, but i am fairly active on twitter at Jonah rogers gpc and on instagram at Jana rogers consulting and also linkedin you can find me under Jonah rogers
0: gpc nice and that, that rogers is r-o-d-g-e-r-s it is r-o-d yes and it's yeah. Jana j-o-h-n-a y'all
1: that's so right just Make your notes accordingly.
0: John, I don't have a business website either. So it's, you know.
1: Oh, no, no. Real choice. No, no. It's just how you market yourself. So, no, it's all good. It's whatever works for you. So. This, I have, I love it when I can learn and laugh at the same time, and I have achieved both objectives today, so um, I just wanted to thank all of y'all for joining us, and uh, Amanda and I continue to be grateful for all the work that you've done um, yourselves as grant professionals, and then all the work you do to forward the grants profession, so thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Yes, thank you so much for joining us. We uh, always love an excuse to talk to you three. So, <laughs> okay, Well, thank you. Well, so we much. appreciate bye. it. <laughs> okay. Well, bye for now then. Bye, y'all. Thank you again to our Season 4 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website. DHLeonardConsulting.com to download their latest free resources today.
1: Well, thanks for listening. You know, we wouldn't do it without you, and we couldn't do it without you, and we would love to have you join our community on Facebook. Simply look for the Fundraising Heyday community group. It's a chance to learn about upcoming episodes and chat with your fellow grant and fundraising professionals. So check it out, y'all. We're honored that you chose to spend time with us, and we'd love for this podcast to be a part
0: of your professional development lineup. As always, we appreciate you joining us, and we hope you'll tune in in two weeks for our next episode. Kimberly and I are doing a comparison and contrast of public versus private funding and their application processes. Needless to say, we've got a lot to say about each side of the funding coin. So, oh, we hope you'll join us. I know. (laughs) Bye for now, friends. Bye, y'all.